Portland's food scene is so tuned into our changing seasons that we even have seasonal restaurants in the form of pop-ups. And this summer, we're seeing a wave of food experimentation from some very talented chefs. But which one to go to? So today on CityCast Portland, we're talking with Michael Russell, restaurant critic and food writer over at The Oregonian. He's already done most of the legwork finding this year's best short-run eating spots and has his top picks ready to share with us all. It's Wednesday, June 12th. I'm Claudia Meza, and this is what Portland's talking about. I feel like summer is the season of pop-ups, of restaurant pop-ups. I don't really think I see them that much in the winter. I don't know what it is about the summer. Uh, But, like, can you tell me why one should love a pop-up and why, like, you love a pop-up? Well... I think you hit on something interesting, which is this seasonality. I'm not sure I ever really even thought about that until now, but you're absolutely right. I think part of it is just there's more spaces available. Like there's a back patio that you can't really use in from November to May that's suddenly there. And, you know, let's do something with it. Um, To answer your question about what I love about pop-ups, to be totally honest, I don't necessarily love all of them. I think sometimes when I think of a pop-up, I think of, someone testing out recipes and there's a long line. And if you're not there half an hour before they open, you might not get any food and the experience might not actually be that good. And sometimes it can be very expensive too. Yeah. That's, uh, I noticed that also a lot of concepts start at pop as pop-ups and then they become full blown brick and mortar restaurants. You're absolutely right. It is a proving ground for new concepts And if you pay attention to what's going on in the pop-up world, you are kind of getting a sneak preview for what's coming down the line. So it's a bit like watching Summer League basketball in Las Vegas right now. (laughs) That's perfect. (laughs) What's Scoot Henderson doing? What's Shaden before the injury? What's Shaden Sharp up to? Like, let's watch these young guys and see what they might look like five years down the road. That's that's what keeping an eye on the pop-up scene is like. Well, Michael, what are your top five pop-ups for the summer? Number one um, is, uh, uh, you know, Cafe Ollie, um, a lot of your listeners will be familiar. It's like an all-day restaurant. It's a great bakery in the morning. It turns into a really great restaurant at night. The best thing there is probably the pizza. And they have one pizza that's like a tomato pie with really finely shaved garlic. And you can add um, stracciatella cheese to it. That's probably, I mean, I don't want to say it's like the best pizza in Portland, but it's definitely a contender um, for like sp- one specific pie. So they're popping up at Division Wines, which is one of my favorite wineries, uh, a winemakers in um, Portland. They're an urban winemaker. They have a new location and sort of to draw attention to that new location, they invited Cafe Ollie to bring their mobile pizza oven down and cook pizzas like uh, every few Fridays uh, down there. I kind of wish it was happening every Friday. Mm-hmm. You'll have to go on their website to check the dates on that, but that that's a fun one. What's the new location? Division Division Winemaking. Their new um, location is on Southeast Eighth Avenue, two zero zero five Southeast Eighth, and the remaining pop up dates are July twenty eighth and August eleventh. So you can go down and eat eat pizza outdoors, and yeah, and drink some delicious wine. Um, I wanted to ask a question, yeah, real quick, please, please, because please. there is that neighborhood wine shop on Division called oh my Division God. Wines. Yeah. Is that the same thing or is that different? They're unrelated and I make that booby. I think I even said Division Wines. And uh, to be clear, it is, I believe they're called Division Winemaking. 
Yes. Um, and I just wanted to make clarify that because when you say Division Wines, most people are going to think of that little neighborhood shop. Oh my gosh, you're right. Division Winemaking. Yeah. I think once upon a time they were Division Winemaking Collective. They may still be that, but they used to be just off Division. Cool. So it's Division Winemaking uh, is opening a new space in Southeast off mm-hmm. not Division. <laughs> and no, nowhere near Division. Yeah. What's another uh, <laughs> pop-up that you would recommend? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So, um, the next one, so my favorite summer pop-up from last year was called Paradise Mariscos. And it was a seafood pop-up behind, um, the Torta restaurant called Guero. And they did, uh, ceviches and, uh, uh, interesting stuff, flautas that were all super delicious. Um, they ran afoul of the county health department after <laughs> I wrote about them about a week later. I don't, I'm not saying it was directly connected, but um, they haven't like blamed me or anything, but they did uh, get a visit and it turned out their kitchen where they were cooking these uh, the mariscos or seafood was not p- properly permitted. Uh, they sort of moved operations indoors, but the vibe was never the same. So they ended about three weeks later. Oh no. Michael. This year, I know, I know. <laughs> dang it. Sorry, God, sorry, Megan, uh, if you're listening. Um, the uh, This year, they went a slightly different route, and it's kind of smart. They bought a food truck, um, which, you know, I think the permitting process for might be a little bit more streamlined. Um, they placed that food truck in their back patio, just where they were doing the seafood pop-up. And now they've expanded their sort of signature hamburger or hamburguesa into a sort of like full food cart menu. So they have two versions of the hamburger. They have a shrimp burger, which is I tried and is delicious. And they have this really great um, chili relleno burger, um, chili relleno sandwich, which has like a little black corn tostada to give it some extra crunch inside. Ooh! They've got cocktails. They've got... Uh, big bombas of beer. They've got mm, wines from Mexico. It's really fun. Lots of plants, like shaded areas and misters keeping you cool. Um, if I had to pick one, that might be actually the number one, uh, but I'm not picking one because they're all really good. It's on Northeast 28th Avenue, just a couple of blocks north of Burnside. You know, uh, you just said Mexican wines, and I just love that. Huero is a actually representing because Mexican wines, I think for a while were the butt of the wine, you know, uh, industry. They were just the, the butt of jokes. They're just like, oh, wine in Mexico, it can't be good. And it's like, well, let's, let's talk about who makes the wine up here. Right. Mainly Mexicans. Right. <laughs> so right. Who they, does the work? Who, yeah. who does the labor? <laughs> who's, who's kind of, and like, who's actually been a few wineries, actual winemakers. Yeah, you know? absolutely. That's a really good point. Um, and so there's a, you know, growing wine uh, country, especially in Baja, that I'm very interested in. And so I've been trying to find those wines up here, and they're really hard to find. So just knowing that you can taste some Mexican wines at Eduardo, I'm already there. Like, I'm yeah, excited yeah. to go check that out. That's the Valle de Guadalupe, it's known as, that winemaking region. is is uh, I've actually been down there. Have you ever visited? It's pretty fantastic. Yeah. So my family's from uh, Ensenada. Oh, heck yeah. Eight years ago, I went with my partner and we had a really wonderful time, but I can I can only imagine how much it's grown. Like I remember the LA Times, because I keep an eye on what's going down there, mm-hmm. um, uh, put out that they were actually uh, opening up chalets and like these like hip, you know, hotels 
in the region. Whoa. So I kind of want to go back just to either be very upset or just like completely. <laughs> you can be a hater. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You're just like, oh, this is no different. That's now. a good pastime. Yeah. <laughs> it's like uh, Oregon wine country. How's it so expensive? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's, what's another uh, pop-up? Yeah. N- next up. So um, Notoguro is this super high end. Yeah. Speaking of expensive. Yeah, I know. I know. This is the odd. This is this is the one that is a bit exclusive, but uh, and hard to get into, too, in terms of not just the price, but like 12 tickets twice a week or something. But Notoguro, fantastic Japanese restaurant. I called them the best restaurant in Portland um, in a review earlier this year. And they have always done these like theme dinners. So like one of their first was like actually their very first theme dinner was um, based on the movie Tampopo, which is a ramen movie from Japan. Um, a really quirky, fun movie if you've never seen it. Excellent film. Yeah, absolutely. If anybody wants to check it out. They are kind of obsessed with this writer, Haruki Murakami. And if you're a fan of Murakami's work, you probably know that before he became a famous novelist, he ran a jazz bar in Tokyo called Peter Cat. So n- this summer, Notoguro is bringing back their Peter Cat pop-up, which the idea is to have something a bit more approachable, a bit more um, accessible financially, um, but in the Notoguro space. So usually dinners there are 250 bucks, all inclusive uh, in terms of tip. Uh, Peter Cat is $95, and it comes with a starter and then this like tray of absolutely incredible snacks um they're petite uh if you're the kind of person that would blanch at leaving a meal hungry and having to go get a burger this probably isn't the meal for you but if you want just like the best rice with uh ikura which is um you know house cured salmon roe um big bowl of that plus some really great salads and pickles and things like that it it's it's hard to think of a meal i've had this year where every single bite was just that great so that's the Peter Cat pop-up at Notoguro, which is in the Kearns neighborhood, um, just north of Sandy Boulevard, near the the Goodwill, across from the Provador. Yeah, I've never been to Notoguro because, as you stated, it is pretty exclusive. Like, I think they open up their reservations once a month, and they're a very small space. Um, and there's, like, a perpetual wait list, which I think is uh, a, a good indication that it's hard to get into a restaurant. But... Uh, this this sounds cool, except for I hate leaving hungry. Like it makes me annoyed and makes me feel like I'm bad with my money. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm like I just spent a hundred bucks and I'm still hungry. Like am I an idiot? You know? Like it's just that's how I would I would feel. But I understand that it's an experience, and I might just not be sophisticated enough for this experience. <laughs> I'm a I'm a like a a bear sized man, and uh, this bowl of ikura and rice that they gave us was. Totally delicious. I think I could eat one that's, you know, uh, uh, served in a, I don't know, like a salad bowl. Uh, but uh, I, yeah, I, for some people, it's probably enough food. I, I you know, everyone has different appetites, but you, you make a good point there. Okay, let's take a quick break here. And when we come back, more pop-ups worth your time. All right, Michael, what else you got? So the next one, I guess this is kind of interesting. Um, so I mentioned Paradise Moriscos, which is now Paradise Hamburguesas. But Paradise Moriscos, um, even though it comes from the Huero people, they hired a chef um, named Adan Fausto, who has an interesting resume. He 
cooked at fine dining restaurants in New York and San Francisco. He's from L.A. originally. He ended up becoming like the private chef for Tim Cook at Apple for a while um, and then left that to move to Portland. And he was doing the seafood there. And he is back this year, but no longer in that back patio. He's doing more of a traditional pop-up, what we think of. He's actually popping up around town, various places, with something called Tacos con Onda. And that, as someone with family in Ensenada, you'll realize this is um, carne asada tacos in the style that you will find in Baja California and various other states along the northern border of Mexico made with uh, steak cooked over mesquite wood and served in a flour tortilla. So that's not a very Ensenada thing at all. That's a very border <laughs> town. Like, that's Mexicali for sure. No, you're making a, you're making a good point. I was thinking of uh, I was thinking of the one I had in Rosarito. Yeah, no, no, it's okay because I was just like, nah, I, it's hard to find flour unless you go to like a restaurant that's like built for Americans. No, you're right. Rosarito's way north. If I get a fish taco in Ensenada, they're not going to be like, Oh, do you want a flower or they're just going to be like, you're eating corn because that is what I have. <laughs> That's a very good point. Um, so further north in Baja, even along the coast, uh, there's a place in Rosarito called El Yaqui, uh, which makes like probably the best taco I've ever had in my life. Um, and it's exactly this style. Uh, flour tortillas, uh, steak cooked over mesquite, and um, they serve it with like a, a avocado sauce, which is delicious. Ooh, delicious. Yeah. So uh, Adan's family on his dad's side is from Mexicali. And so he went down there and he studied how to make flour tortillas in Mexico City and along the border. And he's a very passionate guy. And uh, But anyway, so Adan is doing this Tacos Con Onda pop-up at uh, two locations right now. Hungry Heart Bakery in Montevilla on Thursdays and Fridays. And then... Um, the Woodsman Tavern has this like back patio that I didn't even know existed. And he's popping up there on Sundays. And you can go give it a that's shot. That's so cool. Yeah. I want to go. Yeah, that's. I hear that it's homemade flour tortillas, and I feel like those are the ones you want to eat. <laughs> like, I'm not a big flour tortilla fan, but homemade, it's like anything homemade is with flowers. Just, ooh, it's so good. And his mission is to like revive the flour tortilla's reputation because up here – way in the north in Portland, we do kind of think of, you know, authentic tacos, quote unquote, as being corn tortillas only. But if you are from Mexicali, you know, you probably actually do want to order the flour tortillas there because that's what everybody does and that's what goes better with the steak. I'm definitely checking that one out. Yes, tacos con onda. Con onda. And and what is your the last pop up uh, that you're recommending for the summer? Okay, I haven't had a chance to go to this one yet. But I went a couple years ago to Palomar, uh, which is a Cuban Miami style bar in Southeast Portland. Um, it's so cute. Yeah. It's so the branding is in. Yeah. I, I hate to, I, I'm almost like bad mouthing them by saying it's branding, but it's branding and it's amazing. Um, they had a, a, a pin when they first opened, they were giving out with the check, which was like a helicopter carrying a giant pineapple. And I was like, I want to. <laughs> I love this. Um, but anyway, yeah. So uh, two years ago, during the pandemic, their landlord said, hey, we've got this giant rooftop space that nobody uses here. And I think it's like ninth and Division in Southeast. And, you know, do you guys want to just go up there and serve cocktails? And they they said, yeah, absolutely. So they, the the 
owner is a guy named uh, Ricky Gomez, and he's a former like bartender of the year at Tales of the Cocktail winner who bounced around the southeastern part of the United States, came back to Portland, opened this bar. They didn't do the rooftop last year, but this year, Ricky hired a chef named Ricky Bella, who worked at uh, Bullard. So you have the two Rickies, and they've revived the pop-up. It's now called Tokayo, which uh, I had to Google that word. Do you know what it means, Claudia? Yeah, it's it's a Spanish word that refers to someone who has the same na- name as you. So right. if I if I was named Michael, we'd be like, eh, Tokayo, you know? Uh, yeah, so two Rickies. The two Rickies, exactly right. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yes, yes. Ricky and Ricky. So what they're doing is, it, I call it Mexican-Cuban fusion, I guess. I haven't been yet, but I think it's more uh, uh, Mexican taqueria-style uh, food with Cuban influences. So Mexican being Ricky Bella's heritage is the sort of like more central part of that equation, I believe. Um, but look, the reason to go there isn't necessarily the food. I'm sure it'll be delicious. It's the views. The views up there are fantastic. I, for me, the landscaping up there is gorgeous. It's really a white, it really feels like going up on the rooftop of a, of a condo, which it is. I prefer it to the little nooks at departure or, you know, like some of the Southeast Portland rooftop bars, you're like right next to the HVAC unit and you can't even hear yourself talk. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like, totally. Portland's not good at rooftop <laughs> bars. Let's be honest. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Check it out. It, it, whether you're my Tokayo, whether you're a Michael or not, you'll probably enjoy it. And especially any Rickies need to go. If your name's Ricky, you have to go to this place. Yeah. Their tagline uh, when they were promoting it is, what happens when two Rickies collide? <laughs> so good. In a world where their two Rickies are working together. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I'm so pumped to check that out. Okay. One last question for you, Michael. If you were to do a pop-up, what would it be? I also have one. Ooh, so- good, good, good. <laughs> So Michael, what like what would I mean, I can't imagine you haven't thought about it. Um all right, so my parents are both from Scotland. Um my dad's from Glasgow, uh which is the sort of working class um city, uh very cool town. Uh you may know bands such as Bell and Sebastian that came from there. Um I've heard of them. <laughs> and uh then my mom is from the Highlands and she was raised on a sheep farm and I would love to see someone do um, Scottish sausages here. Um, and, you know, you, we have an idea of what sausages are, like links in America. But, you know, things like blood sausage, I find totally delicious. And haggis, which we don't think of as a sausage, that's a sausage. I mean, it's like stuff in a casing. Um, so I don't know that anybody wants to get down with haggis because it's like, you know, famously disgusting, but, uh, it literally has a reputation. Like I'm sure most people have never tasted it, but they're like, I've heard that's awful. And then you say blood sausage. I just love your pop-up ideas, Michael. They're terrible. You're just like, <laughs> that's why I'm not doing a pop-up. They're so bad. They're so bad. But look, haggis, your, your friends who've said that are wrong. Haggis is absolutely delicious. It's all about the spicing. And, you know, if you're drunk on the streets of Glasgow at, you know, not that late because the bar's closed early, let's say 11 p.m., you can get like a haggis sandwich, which is like fried up and it's gross but delicious. So, yeah, there's my pop-up idea. What about yours? Oh, thanks for asking, Michael. Mine would be, I basically would love a pop-up that's just food based from uh, 
Ensenada. Oh, because yeah. when you say Baja, California, people think Baja. Baja, California is huge. So there's just so many different regions. And so my mom grew up in Ensenada. And so we would go there often to visit family. And what Ensenada is known for is their mariscos mm. um, and their fish tacos, mm-hmm. which are very specific. And I've never, ever, ever had one like up here Mm-mm. that tasted like that. Nope. Um, and they're so simple and so delicious. And I, I just wish that like if if I could just, obviously not me, but like th- in this world, right, where I create pop-ups, if I could nail that, I think that it would go, you know, gangbusters. People would be so stoked. My favorite fish taco that I've ever had in my whole life comes from Ensenada. Like there's something about that good corn tortilla, that super crunchy fresh fish. And just cabbage. Oh my God. Just the crunchy little cabbage on top. Why can't anybody do it? No offense to anyone doing it in Portland who's listening, but like I, to your point, Claudia, I've never had one that good anywhere, including Los Angeles. Yeah, exactly. Same. Do you, are, are you someone who, are you like Sisyphus? Do you keep trying to find the a good fish taco in Portland or are you like, forget about that? Like you hear about a fish taco pop-up, you're like, nah. No, if I heard about a fish taco pop-up, I would go. I mean, one of my eyes would be a little squinty, mm-hmm. but I would go. Um, I did. I have stopped ordering fish tacos, or when I order them, I just know what I'm I'm going to be getting, which is not what I want, you know. And that's fine. It'll be a whole new experience, and that's, you know, what what did the Buddhists say about suffering, Michael? It's desire. <laughs> it's wanting something. I stopped wanting fish tacos. So I mean, if we were going to discuss like, okay, pop up, like that's what I would want is. Ensenada represented. So you know that is the birthplace of the margarita, right? I was not aware of that. Well, it's hilarious. The reason I brought that up is because if you go to any freaking bar, no matter when it was open, it will say, there will be a placard there. This is the birthplace of the margarita. <laughs> and you're like, 1994? I don't know, man. <laughs> oh, I love that. And that's, it makes me love that place even more. Mm-hmm. Just like, just get your hustle on. Um <laughs> Well, Michael, thank you again. Uh, And if anyone's listening out there and they want to start a fish taco pop-up, Michael and I are here to tell you if they're good. You just (laughs) call us and we will taste test for them. And we will tell you one to 10 how close they are. We won't tell you if it's good. (laughs) We'll tell you that it's bad. How about that? (laughs) No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Keep trying, guys. And now for your microdose of news. Portland leaders recently launched a new effort to reduce gun violence in the city. The Ceasefire Initiative seeks to reach out to high-risk communities in order to stop the violence before it happens. With mentoring and other programs, Oakland has a similar program, which the city says helped reduce murders by 30% in its first year. And Oregon's second-largest natural gas utility has spent $50,000 in rate-payer money to fight the state's climate change regulations. Avista Utilities hired lawyers to fight the laws, claiming it will benefit ratepayers. Environmental groups disagree. Yes, we all know corporations historically have always had their customers' best interest at heart. Plus an update on yesterday's episode about wildfires. The Tunnel 5 fire on the Washington side of the gorge is now mostly contained. But over the weekend, a new wildfire ignited just southeast of Mount Hood. It's called the Boulder Fire and has had 200 firefighters working to contain it. Investigators have not yet determined the cause of either fires. For even more local news and events, sign up for our daily newsletter, Hey Portland. We'll throw a link in the show notes. 
That's all for today here on CityCast Portland. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more from around the city. Until then, see you at Slim's.